0: Let me encourage you to take your Bible right now, hold it up, hold it up with me, and repeat with me, this is God's Word. word. I believe it is true. I believe believe what it says about God. I believe what it says about about me. It It teaches me how how to know God, and it teaches me how to live for God. Now take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Micah, the Old Testament book of Micah, as we continue our series on the minor prophets. Everyone has certain things that they require of other people in their lives. You may not realize it, but you do. Think about it. You go job hunting and you find a job that you think you will like, you think you will enjoy. And one of the first things that they do is they give you the requirements for the job. It may be a certain degree, it may be a certain amount of experience, but before you ever even start that job, you are told what is required of you. Or think about your neighborhood and the neighbors you have. You work hard in your yard, you cut your yard, you trim the edge of the yard, you cut back the hedges, and you expect everyone else in your neighborhood to do that as well. I mean, you don't want to work hard in your neighborhood and, and your neighbor's house look like a dot. You don't want that. So you have expectations, you have requirements, things that you expect of your neighbor's. Or think about the person that you marry or the person that you date. We have expectations. We have requirements. Some of you have a list. You have a five-page list. Some of you are the person I'm talking about. You want them to be a certain height. You want them to have a certain color hair. You want them to have a certain kind of job. You want them to have a certain type of financial freedom you want them to be funny and yet serious you want them to be light-hearted yet sensitive you want them to be simple yet you want them to be also very serious in what they do if you're that person you may never get married but we all have these expectations these requirements of of people that are in our life but what I want us to do this morning is ask ourselves What is it that God requires of us? Because in the end, that's really the only thing that matters, isn't it? What does God expect from me? What does God want from me? And that is the question that the book of Micah answers. Now as we dive into this book this morning, I want to first of all give you a little background. And So if your Bible is open, look with me at verse 1. Listen to what it says. The Lord gave this message to Micah of Moresheth during the years when Jotham Ahaz and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. The visions he saw concerning both Samaria and Judah. Now notice, this book doesn't begin with Micah. This book begins with God. It tells us that this is a message that the Lord gave to Micah. Let's never forget that that's what the Word of God is. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter said this. He said, no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or the prophet's own initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. You see, the Bible isn't simply a compilation of man's opinions or man's ideas about God. The Bible is God's revelation of himself to us. It tells us how we can know him and it tells us how we can live for him. And so the book of Micah, like the rest of the Bible, begins not with the prophet. It begins with God. And then we are told the name of the person who wrote this. It is Micah. Micah's name simply means who is like the Lord. Can you imagine having a name? That means that who is like the Lord. Every time Micah's mom or dad called him in the morning to wake him up, Micah get up. He was reminded who is like the Lord. Whenever he was called to the dinner table to eat, Micah, come eat. Micah heard who is like the Lord. And even when Micah was disciplined, he was reminded who is like the Lord and that is why I believe that that as Micah wrapped up this book he ended by telling us who is like the Lord listen to what he said in Micah 7 verses 18 and 20 he said where is another God like you in other words who is like the Lord who pardons the guilt of the remnant overlooking the sins of a special people you will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love once again you will have compassion on us you will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean you will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago who is like the Lord who pardons our guilt, who forgives our sins, who doesn't stay angry with us forever, who shows his faithfulness and his unfailing love to us over and over again. Who is like the Lord. Now Micah was born in in the small town of Moresheth, a town that, that is southwest of Jerusalem on the way to Egypt and, and that reminds us that that God can use anyone and God can use everyone he calls people from small towns and he calls people from metropolitan areas he calls people who who work as shepherds and herdsmen and farmers and he calls people who are from royal backgrounds as well you see God can call you and God can use you regardless of what your background is may be he tells us in that first verse that he preached during the years of Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah who were the kings of Judah now if you want to find a little historical background about this period of time it is found in 2nd Kings 15 verse 2nd um, Kings 15 through 2nd Kings 20 and 2nd Chronicles 27 through 32 we're told in those passages that Jotham was a good king. He did what was pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. But his son Ahaz was not a good king. Ahaz did not do what is pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. As a matter of fact, we are told that he followed the kings of Israel to the point that he even sacrificed his own son to the fire. He did a human sacrifice of his own son. This was one of the kings of God's chosen people. And yet he sacrificed his own son to pagan gods. But praise God, Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, was not like his father. The Bible tells us that Hezekiah did what was right, he did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And he even removed the pagan idols from the land and this tells us this tells us that as grandparents listen we can have an amazing influence on our grandchildren understand grandparents listen to me you may be the only godly influence in your grandkids lives your children may not be living for the Lord and and you're wondering How can my grandkids have any chance? How can they have any hope? Look at Hezekiah. His dad was a wicked, evil man. But his granddad, Jotham, loved Jesus. And evidently, Jotham had an impact. He had an influence on Hezekiah's life. So understand, grandparents, God can use you. In the lives of your grandchildren. Now because of his strong message of judgment, and, and that's what the, Micah, the message of Micah is really all about, he most likely preached before the reforms of Hezekiah. But he also most likely preached before the fall of Samaria in 722. So Micah most likely preached sometime between 740 and 740. In 722 B.C., his contemporaries were Hosea in Israel and Isaiah in Judah. Can you imagine perhaps the times that, that Micah and Hosea and Isaiah got together and prayed for one another and encouraged one another as they stood against the immorality of their day, as they encouraged the people of the land to repent? Now, as we begin to unpack this book, there are three truths that I want you to see that that are vitally important for us today as we go through these seven chapters. Here's the first one. Micah says that that we need to listen to the Lord. Look how Micah begins verse 2. He says, attention, let all of the people of the world listen Let the earth and everything in it hear. Three times in the book of Micah, Micah uses that word that he uses in chapter 1. In chapter 1, chapter 3, and chapter 6, Micah tells us to listen up. He tells us to pay attention. He tells us to understand what God is saying. It's like God is saying to the prophet Micah, Be quiet and listen to what I have to say. If you're a parent, you know how frustrating and how exhausting it can be to to talk to your kids and, and not have them listen. You tell them something over and over again, and they're just not listening. And finally you snap and you say look at me listen to me pay attention to what i'm saying and that's what god is saying to his people right here you see he had been speaking to his people for generations but instead of paying attention and listening they had been listening to other things other voices they had been doing their own thing the people of god had had selective hearing. You see, every one of us must decide who we're going to listen to. We're either going to tune in to what God has to say or we're going to tune out God. But we can't have it both ways. You see, there are some of us that try to do that. We try to tune in when God says something we like, but we tune out when God says something we don't like. And we can't do that. So many of us who who call ourselves Christians today do that with God's Word. We say, I like this part, but I don't like this part. And we can't do that. We're either going to have to tune into God, or we're going to tune out God. And so God had been speaking to his people for generations. They hadn't listened. And God finally said, listen up, look me in the eyes, because God had gotten to his limit. Look at verse 3. It says, look, the Lord is coming. He is leaving his throne in heaven, and he tramples the heights of the earth. God had stepped off his throne, and it wasn't going to be pretty. Kids, can you remember I do? Your dad ever saying to you, don't make me get up? Well, God got up. And God was ticked off. God was upset. God was hot. And listen to what it says. The mountains melt beneath his feet and flow into the valleys like wax in a fire. God is ticked off at his people. And the reason he is ticked off is found in verse 5. It's because of their rebellion. They have rejected God's rule, his authority. You see each and every one of us must decide we're either going to submit to God's rule or we're going to reject God's rule we're going to submit to God's will in our life or we're going to reject God's will and replace it with our own will and that's rebellion and rebellion is a dangerous thing and notice where it begins we're told it begins in the capital cities the, the metropolitan areas the capital cities of, of Israel the capital cities of Judah you see, rebellion doesn't begin in the rural areas whenever rebellion takes over a nation it always begins in the capital cities the political centers the economic centers the cultural centers of society And this is where the rebellion began. We are strategically located as a church right on the outskirts of the capital city of our state. That isn't by accident. That is by divine design. God has placed us as a people here because he trusts us and he expects us. To be a voice of truth calling people back to god and we have to be obedient to what god has called us to do and then as we look through these chapters we discover that their rebellion manifested itself in two primary ways idolatry and covetousness they were worshiping the gods of this world And they were longing for the things of this world. And I've got to tell you, we are guilty of the same thing today. Now notice how Micah describes them. In chapter 1, verse 9, he says, My people's wound is too deep to heal. In other words, they've gone too far. Judgment is coming. In chapter 3, verses. 1 and 2, he says, you are supposed to know right from wrong, but you are the very ones who hate good and love evil. You're supposed to know what is right. You're supposed to know what is wrong, but instead of doing what is right, you have embraced wrong, and not only have you embraced it, you've loved it. In chapter 6, verse 13, he says, I will bring you to ruin for your sins. And then he says something that, that I believe is descriptive of our day listen to what he says in chapter 6 he says you will eat but you'll never have enough your hunger pains and emptiness will remain therefore I will make an example of you bringing you to complete ruin in spite of all they had they never had enough in spite of everything that they got they were still empty inside they were still longing for more when are we going to wake up and realize that the gods of this world and the things of this world will never fill the emptiness inside of us we weren't created by the gods of this world and we weren't created for this world we were created by someone far better And we were created for something far better. And so if you have the things that this world has to offer, you have the clothes, and you have the cars, and you have the homes, and you have all of these things, and yet there's still something lacking, then open your eyes. Open your heart. And realize this world is never going to give you What you're looking for. Now, I want you to notice something. Notice how this rebellion affected Micah. Chapter 1, verse 8. Micah says, I will mourn and lament. I will walk around barefoot and naked. I will howl like a jackal and moan like an owl. He is absolutely broken over the rebellion of his people. May I ask you a question? When was the last time you poured your heart out to God for the sins of our land? When was the last time you shed tears over the rebellion in our land? When was the last time you came to the altar just weeping for those who were lost and those who are far from God? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for, for us to get broken because of the sin and the rebellion in our land. And Tragically, the people didn't want to hear Micah's message. They didn't want to hear that they needed to turn from sin. They didn't want to hear that God was going to judge them. They wanted preachers that would tell them what they wanted to hear. They wanted preachers that would make them feel good. Listen to what it says in chapter 2, verse 11. I I love the message translation. It says this. If someone showed up with a good smile and a glib tongue and and told lies from morning to night, I'll preach sermons that will tell you how you can get anything you want from God, more money, the best wines, you name it. You would hire him on the spot as your preacher and is that not where we're at today we want people that will stand up and tell us how good we are how much God loves us and how God will give us anything and everything that we ask for and that we want we somehow have this idea that that preachers are to stand up and tell us that God is here to serve us and yet what we need Is preachers who will stand up and tell us that we're here to serve God and we need to repent and turn from our sin the Apostle Paul said the same thing will happen in the last days he said you will look for teachers who will tell you whatever your itching ears want to hear you see our flesh would rather have a preacher that tells us what we want to hear than a preacher that tells us the truth we need to hear And when we begin to simply listen to what we want to hear, messages that make us feel good, rather than messages that challenge us with the truth of God's word and command us to repent and turn from God and live holy lives, we are in danger of becoming just like the Israelites. So as Micah begins this message, he says, listen up. God has gotten down off of the throne. He's coming down to earth. And he's hot. He's angry. He's ticked off. So listen up. But the second thing Micah tells us is that not only do we need to listen up, we need to look to the future. That's what chapters 4 and 5 tell us. You see, Micah's telling God's people not to focus on their present situation but rather focus on their future hope you see our hope has never been and never will be in this world so God tells them that that there is a day coming when everything will be made right now it's obvious as we Read chapter 4 that he is talking about a day that has not yet happened. Uh, Listen to what he says in verses 1 and 2. He says, in the last days, the mountains of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills and, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His world will go out from Jerusalem. There's coming a day when people will gather before the throne and worship the one true God together. People from every nation and every tongue. Can you imagine that day? That day has not yet come, but there is coming a day when we will gather together as God's people. Different races, different colors, different languages, but we will be one people gathered around the throne worshiping the one who sits on that throne. It says there's coming a day when, when everyone will worship the one on the throne. Then he says there's coming a day when when there will be peace. He says that in verses 3 and 4. He says the Lord will mediate between peoples and will settle disputes between strong nations far away. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Everyone will live in peace. The truth of the matter is, no matter how hard we try here on planet Earth, we will never attain peace in this world. Jesus said, in this world, we will have wars. In this world, we will have rumors of wars. The truth of the matter is, no matter who is sitting in the capital cities, No matter who is in control when it comes to world politics, there will always be war as long as we are here on planet Earth. But there is coming a day when there will be no more war. There's coming a day when there will be no need for for police officers. There's coming a day when there will be no need for military. There's coming a day when there will be no need for weapons. Because peace will rule and reign on the earth. We're not living in that day. But there's coming a day. People from every nation will live at peace. People from every race will live at peace. People from every economic background will live at peace. There's coming a day. And then he says there is peace coming a day when when every need will be met. At the end of verse 4, he says, everyone will live in prosperity. No one will live in want. No one will have a need. All of our needs, all of our wants, all of our desires will be met. But that day hasn't come yet. And the fact of the matter is, Micah tells them that as long as we live in this world, until that day comes we're gonna have trouble as a matter of fact he tells god's people that they are about to be sent into exile i mean instead of saying cheer up things are going to get better he says cheer up things are going to get a whole lot worse but your hope isn't in this world there are some of you That are never going to experience peace there are some of you that are never going to have the hope that God has for you until you change what you're looking at and what you're looking for this world is never going to give you what you want and so God says there is a day coming When everything you want, you're going to have. But then he tells us something else. He says not only is a day coming, he tells us a deliverer is coming. And he tells us that in chapter 5. Look at verse 2. He says, but you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. And he will be the source of peace. Now we know as we read that passage that that God is talking about someone that is otherworldly. He is talking about someone whose origins are from long ago. Someone who is from everlasting. And so he's not talking about someone who is born and then dies He's talking about someone who has always been and someone who will always be. And he says, he is the source of peace. We get to the New Testament and we discover who he's talking about. He's talking about none other than Jesus. The one who gives peace to the earth. The one who gives peace to our lives. The one who brings peace between us and God. Jesus. A deliverer is coming. Who will give you everything you're looking for. When Micah uttered these words, Jesus had not yet come. They were looking and anticipating the day when he would come we don't have to look anymore we don't have to anticipate anymore he has come and I'm here to tell you that if you know him if you have met him you have discovered that he can give you a peace that passes our ability to understand Oh what day is coming When all of our pain, all of our hurt, all of our sorrow will be no more. He will make all things new, and we will all worship him. And a deliverer has come, and his name is Jesus. Micah says, listen up. Look to the future. And then finally, as he closes out this message, he tells us to live like we know Him if we listen to what he says and we begin to live our lives looking to a future hope then we need to live like we really know him and and as we look at chapter 6 we discover that there are two things involved in living like we really know him first of all we need to trust him in chapter 6 verses 3 through 5 god is speaking to his people and i want you to listen to what he says he says oh my people what have i done to you what have i done to make you tired of me answer me for i brought you out of egypt i redeemed you from slavery i sent moses arian aaron and miriam to help you don't you remember my people how king balaam of moab tried to have you cursed and how balaam son of beor Bless you instead. And remember your journey from Achaia Grove to Gilgal when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness. God is saying, don't you remember everything that I've done for you? Don't you remember how I've always been there for you? Don't you remember how I have been faithful to you? Trust me. There comes a point in each and every one of our lives when we have a decision to make we're going to either trust ourselves and our abilities and our goodness or we're going to trust God and God is saying trust me will you trust him will you trust him to forgive you will you trust him to save you will you trust him to lead you will you trust him with your life? May I ask you a question? Have you ever truly trusted him? Have you? If you say yes, let me, let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you trusting him enough with your finances to be obedient in your giving? Are you? Do you trust him? Do you trust Him? Are you trusting Him enough to meet your relational needs if you're not married? To remain pure until you get married? Trusting that God is going to meet those needs in your life. Do you trust Him? Or or do you take things into your own hands? Do you trust Him? You see, if we trust God, if we trust Jesus, it's much more than just glibly saying this prayer, Dear Jesus, forgive me, I trust you to save me. No, if we really trust Him to save us from an eternal hell, we're going to trust Him to lead us as we walk through life today. So do you trust Him? But once we trust him Micah says we need to live for him listen to what he says beginning in verse 6 what can we bring to the Lord what kind of offering should we give him should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves should we offer him thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of olive oil should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins no oh people the Lord has told you what is good and, and this is what he requires of you. To do what is right. To love mercy. To walk humbly with your God. Fear the Lord if you are wise. Do what is right. Love mercy. Walk humbly. To do what is right refers primarily to how we treat those who are less fortunate than we are. Do we turn a blind eye to the pain and suffering of the world do we take advantage of people simply because we can To do what is right is to live a just life to love mercy to not get even to forgive people even though they hurt us We love to receive mercy, don't we? We love to receive it from God. We love to receive it from others. But we're called to love giving mercy. And then we're to walk humbly. We're to realize that everything is a gift. To walk humbly is to, to every day put pride to death in your life. CS Lewis said pride is a telescope turned the wrong way it magnifies self and makes heaven look small what does God want us to do when we trust him he wants us to do good he wants us to love mercy he wants us to walk humbly and how do we do that we fear God We recognize who He is and because of who He is we honor Him and we adore Him and we worship Him and we submit to Him. But the truth of the matter is even as we seek to live this way we fail, don't we? There are days that I don't Show justice there are days that I don't love mercy there are days that I don't walk humbly that's why we all need a savior that's why we all need forgiveness and, and that takes us back to that description that Micah gave of God that I shared at the very beginning in Micah chapter 7 said where is another God like you pardons the guilt of the remnant overlooking the sins of his people who does not stay angry with his people who delights in showing unfailing love who shows compassion who tramples our sins under his feet and throws them in the depths of the sea Who is like our God no one <laughs> there's no one like our God he is the only one That's why we fear him. That's why we honor him. That's why we serve him. That's why we surrender to him. That's why we trust him. So have you? What does God require of you? What does God expect? What does God want? He wants you to trust him with your life. And when you do, he wants you to live for him. So are you? Will you? I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, and you say, how do I know I've never trusted Jesus? Well, here's what I believe. If you're here today and you're wondering whether you've ever truly trusted Jesus if you're wondering whether you've ever truly been saved you've ever truly been born again then maybe just maybe God is telling you you need to today so if you're here and that's something that you need to do and you're ready to do business with a holy God you're ready to trust him and surrender your life to him and live for him then I want to encourage you to humbly pray this prayer to him right now dear God I come to you this morning humbly asking you to forgive me I know I'm a sinner and I need you to save me right here right now I'm turning from my sin I'm trusting you alone to save me I'm giving my life to you fill me with your Holy Spirit from this moment on I want to live for you I want to follow you I want to serve you with my life You are the one true God. And I'm giving my all to you. Thank you for hearing.